most real sense of the word, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was shed for our freedom. So today we have a dual celebration, knowing that the blood of men and women who gave themselves for our country, for our freedom, and we enjoy that. But most importantly of all and greater than all, we enjoy the freedom provided for us by the blood that was shed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about Jesus' blood, the price for our freedom. Jesus' blood, the price for our freedom. Why don't you open your Bible to the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. Just prior to the book of Malachi. So if you go to Matthew and go backwards, go back a few books, you're there. And Zechariah, I want you to look at chapter 13 today as we get started. Glory be to God. Zechariah chapter 13. Let's go ahead and take a look at verse 1 there. And it says this, it says that in that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. For sin and for uncleanness. What's the purpose of the fountain? The fountain that is being opened, being prepared, is for sin and for uncleanness. There was a writer of a song, the, the gentleman who wrote these lyrics, named William Cowper. And I think he nailed this verse pretty well when he said there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains. I am so glad about that because both you and I at one time were sinners who needed to get in that fountain because we were filled with stains of sin and stains of guilt and stains of a messed up life that nothing else could possibly have washed it away. Nothing else could possibly have gotten rid of it. We were scarred and marred for life if not for the fact that there was a fountain. But because of that fountain, that fountain of blood that was provided for our sin and for our uncleanness. We could go into that fountain dirty, but when we come out the fountain, we come out clean. As white as snow, as pure before God as Adam and Eve were in the garden before they sinned. Not just having sins removed, but actually being made new creatures that never existed before. That's the wonderful news of the gospel. You're not even just getting covered up. You can cover something up, but the problem's still there. But what we've got in Christ, our sins were not covered 
our sins were removed, eradicated as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. The significance of that, for those of you that may not realize it, if you start heading north, you hit the North Pole, go to the other side of the North Pole, you eventually hit south. And if you go far enough south, you'll come back around and hit north again. But if you go east and you keep on traveling east and you never turn around, you're going to be going east forever. And if you go west and you keep going west and you never turn around, you're going to be going west forever. And as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has removed our transgressions from us. Glory to God. That's the reality of the gospel. Hallelujah. Why don't you go, while we're in Zechariah, go over to uh, uh, chapter 9. And this is going to be our main scripture text for this morning. We're going to look at many others, but this is going to be our anchor. Zechariah 9. Now you see over, uh, I believe it's right about verses uh, 8 or 9, you, you see uh, uh, the, the prophecy of Jesus coming triumphantly into the city of Jerusalem. But then uh, if you look down in verse 11, there's a very interesting verse that we're going to focus in on today. And it says this, Zechariah 9, 11, As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. <laughs> Let's read it again. As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. And we're going to see three things out of that today. First of all, we're going to see that covenant people ought to be free people. Covenant people ought to be free people. We're also going to see this, that you now have access to the water that you did not have access to when you were in the waterless pit. You didn't have access there, but you got access now. And then also, we're going to see this. If we're no longer prisoners, what are we now? If no longer prisoners, what have we now become? And so those are some of the treasures we're going to dig into today. But looking at the blood of Jesus as covenant blood is something that we very much need to understand. You know that that we have in our Bible what's called an Old Testament and New Testament could also be called Old Covenant and New Covenant. Over in Luke chapter 22, when Jesus was sharing his Passover meal, the, the last one that he shared with his disciples, he took bread and he broke it and gave it to them and said, this is my body which is given for you. 
this do in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So the blood of Jesus was shed for the purpose of bringing us in to this new and what the Bible also calls a better covenant than the old covenant. The old covenant under which Moses was under, David was under, many of the great heroes that we read about throughout the Old Testament that God used greatly. You know, they, they, they had a wonderful life and did all right. But, but they weren't under something that was as good as what we've got. And you see, we need to really get that because we think, oh, if I could have been with uh, Moses walking through the wilderness, I wouldn't have complained like the rest of those people were complaining. Yeah. <laughs> It's easy to say when you ain't out in the wilderness having that hot sun beating down on you. Uh, you, you, you might have gone across the Red Sea, but you can quickly forget that Red Sea when your stomach starts grumbling a little bit. But you know, uh, what a wonderful, great privilege that we have to be under the new and the better covenant that we have because of the blood of Jesus. So the first thing that we need to see here, according to our main text, as for you also because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Covenant people ought to be free. Say that with me. Covenant people ought to be free. Open your Bibles to Luke 13. Luke chapter 13. And we're going to look at something that is just absolutely beautiful. Luke 13, we're going to start reading with verse 10. And once you've got it, say, Amen. Amen. Verse 10 says, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham. Now let's stop right there. If she's a daughter of Abraham, that means she's a covenant person. Because God made a covenant with Abraham and she was a child of Abraham, which means that she was as much, had as much access to that as a descendant of Abraham as Abraham did himself. So she was a covenant person. 
And Jesus said, ought not this covenant woman (laughs) whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. As far as Jesus was concerned, and in the mind of Jesus, and in his perspective on things, people who are in covenant ought to be loosed. You're supposed to be free. You're not supposed to be bound. As far as Jesus was concerned, I love that wording, ought not this woman. In other words, this woman is not supposed to be this way. This woman is not supposed to be bound. This woman is supposed to be loosed. Are you a covenant person? Have you entered in? Hallelujah. To the wonderful agreement that we have with God through Jesus Christ. Have you been washed in the blood? Purchased by the blood. If you're a covenant person and you're bound, I have the same message for you today that Jesus had for that woman. You're not supposed to be bound. You're supposed to be loosed. Glory to God. You're supposed to be loose. So if you see areas in your life that clearly equate to bondage, you need to talk to those things and say, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Covenant people are free people. I cannot go on through life being a covenant person purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ away from that old nasty slave master. You know, Nehemiah made a great statement over in, uh, I believe, chapter 9, and and it reads real well in the New Living Translation. He made this statement. He said, here we are living like slaves in this land of abundance. And you know what? God, one of the biggest things about renewing the mind is that we need to learn to think like free people and not like slaves anymore. Because we are no longer slaves. We are no longer prisoners sitting in that waterless pit. We are free because of the new and everlasting covenant. Glory be to God. Let's get that uh, first verse up on the screen here. Isaiah 42, verse 6 and 7. Let's go and read that together. It says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Now, this is prophecy. This is God the Father 
talking to God the Son. And he's telling Jesus that I've given you as a covenant to the people. And what's that covenant going to do for the people? It's going to open their blind eyes. It's going to bring out prisoners from the prison and those who sit in darkness out of the prison house. Glory be to God. Why don't you go ahead and open the Psalms? I want you to know with absolute certainty today that it is God's will for you to be free from the pit and from the prison. It is absolutely God's will for you to be free from the pit and from the prison. Psalm 40. Hallelujah. And then we're going to look over near the end of Psalms at another one. But first, Psalm 40. Look at Psalm 40 in verse 2. It says this. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. Aren't you glad you came up out of the horrible pit you were in? And I'll tell you, if you're in the pit today, you know why this, they call this thing here a pull pit? Because from here, we're going to pull you out of the pit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm-mm. Y'all getting me going here. <laughs> yeah. See, I remember. I mean, some of you, you don't have to think back too far to know what it was like to be in the pit. Oh, what an awful life. What an awful life. All of the blessings that you could have, but those blessings aren't in the pit. All of the good living you could have with God as your father. But those blessings weren't there. The pit is a dry place. I love the, the wording of what Zechariah said. It's a waterless pit. It's dry. It's barren. There's no sustenance in there. It was indeed a horrible pit. But the Lord brought us out. And he has truly set our feet on a rock and he has established our steps. While you're there in Psalms, go to Psalm 146. 146. Hey, Ron, with all this talk about water, I think I'm going to do double duty on the water today. Thank you, brother. <laughs> All this talk about water makes me drink some. <laughs> Psalm 146. Check this out. Verse 5. Happy. Oh, yeah. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, the Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. Look at that last line there. Come on, somebody. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. What kind of God do we serve? What kind of God is our God? God's not the one 
who keeps you in prison, who keeps you in bondage. God's the God who gives freedom to the prisoners. Now, like I said to you, we're going to look at several things out of that verse in Zechariah 9-11. I want to look at that second thing now, which is this, that we now have access to the water that we lacked when we were sitting in that waterless pit. We now have access to that water that was not there in that old waterless pit. And this is why, you see, there was no word of God when we were in that old pit. There was no spirit of God when we were in that old pit. And both the word and the spirit are likened to in scripture as water. And also, both the word and the spirit are connected by the scripture to our freedom and our liberty. Look at it like this. Ephesians 5.26 talks about the washing of water by the word. So the word is your water for washing. But then over in John 7, Jesus said these words in verses uh, uh, 37 through 39, he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Then this he spoke concerning the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. So it's interesting. We see the word as our water for washing and we see the Holy Spirit as our water for drinking. So you've got your washing water and your drinking water. Because you see, with him, you're not in a waterless pit. As a matter of fact, he does just the opposite. He leads you beside still waters. See, that word's there to clean you. The washing of water by the word. Hey, now. Jesus said, now you are clean through the words which I've spoken to you. And then the Holy Spirit, best drinking water there is, I'll tell you. Jesus said, if you thirst, come to me and drink. Talked about those rivers of living water, the rivers of the Holy Spirit flowing out of you. Glory be to God. And you know, it's interesting, the book of Acts, it also talks about the times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. Is there anything much more refreshing than if you're out one of these hot summer days working in the yard all afternoon, two hours of getting dirty and sweaty, and someone comes to you with this uh, bottled water that's just about 40 degrees, 30 degrees cold. I don't know how cold it is, but it's just cold. And you open it up and you have that glass of cold water after you've been out there just working and sweating. Is that refreshing? Oh, yes. You think God knows how to refresh you? <laughs> Let me tell you, he knows how to refresh you and not just refresh your body. He'll get down to the core of you, refresh your spirit, soul and body. So we see the water for washing and the water for drinking, the water for being refreshed. 
But we also see this, that both the word and the spirit are also tied into our liberty and freedom, which is the message of the day. Because the word, James called the word the perfect law of liberty. Jesus said that if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. So we see this word is connected to our freedom. Now, what about the spirit? Is the Holy Spirit connected to our freedom? Yeah, let me remind you of a Bible verse in 2 Corinthians 3 that says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Well, let me tell you some good news. Well, you say, well, that, that's wonderful. If only I could be where he is. But if you are a believer, you are where he is. Because you as a believer means that he, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you. And if where the Spirit of the Lord is, if where he is, there is liberty, and he's in you, then the liberty's in you. You at, where the liberty's at, the liberty's at, where you at, you got a man in the shade, somebody give him glory. Hallelujah. The very freedom that you need is not something that you're out there trying to obtain, trying to find somehow, and I'm going to struggle to get free. No, the freedom you need is already inside of you. If the word of God's dwelling in you, the perfect law of liberty, and the spirit of God dwelling inside of you, and if where he is, there is liberty, then you have liberty. Freedom dwelling inside of you. You're no longer a prisoner. You are free. Hallelujah. Now, why don't you go ahead and open your Bible to Isaiah 61. Now, what we're about to read is the same thing that Jesus got up and read in his hometown of Nazareth. When he entered into the temple there in Luke chapter 4, and he took the scroll and read an excerpt from Isaiah, we're about to read what he read there. And this is very significant because Jesus said that this was fulfilled in him. So this is very clearly talking about Jesus. Jesus linked it to him himself. So by reading this, we're going to see something about the purpose for which Christ was anointed. What was he anointed to do? For what purpose was he anointed? Look at verse 1, Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, 
to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now I'll tell you, what, what a beautiful thing to know that Jesus' mission, the very thing he was anointed to do, was proclaiming liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And then this, the, uh, these particular verses go on to mention a few prisons. Not every possible prison that a person could be in, but they do mention a few. Talks about the prison of mourning. Not mourning like good mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. The prison of ashes and the prison of heaviness. The prison of mourning. You know, God, in Joshua chapter one, God did something that may not have looked quite so sensitive. God showed up on the scene and actually said something to try to stir things up to get things moving on. Because Moses, the servant of God, died and Israel was in mourning. And, you, you know, after such a, a great leader as Moses died, I mean, they're, they're really in a, a pattern of, okay, what are we going to do now? Here, here we are out here, but, but our leader's gone. What are we going to do now? And God shows up and he says these words, Moses, my servant is dead. And you think, Lord, can't, can't you be a little nicer than that? But you know what? Sometimes we need God to rattle our cage a little bit because we can possibly very easily stay in mourning longer than we should be in mourning about certain things. God understood that there was a time for mourning the death of Moses. But God showed up and said, the time of mourning is now over. Moses, my servant, is dead. There's still work to do. And he talked with a man named Joshua about continuing on that work. And I, I got to talk to some people today. Those of you who are in the prison of mourning, mourning the loss, maybe the loss of loved one. Maybe the, the death of a marriage or relationship that you thought was going to be the relationship. In a lot of cases, there's women here in the house today that are still mourning the baby you aborted. There's a lot of mourning that goes on that we never even notice. But the Lord says to you, that you can have the oil of joy in place of mourning. Amen. You can have an official end to the mourning that you've been going through where you can say it is time to move on. 
Things that you've mourned about that you've did where you know you've displeased God, messed up royally, and you've been in mourning about it. And the, the, the Lord says it's time to leave it behind and to go on and move forward. And instead of mourning, you can now have joy. This is serious stuff, y'all. Because mourning for too long Huh. that'll hold you back. That, that'll keep you in a pattern, keep you in a cycle that where you, you, you'll be spinning, but you won't be making progress. And as long as you stay in that pattern, you're unable to move forward because a time of mourning is almost like a holding pattern. Where until that time is done, you're actually focused more on what's in the rearview mirror than you are in the windshield. You know, greatest sermon I ever heard was when somebody said, did you ever notice that the windshield's bigger than the rear view mirror? And the reason why is because you're supposed to look ahead a whole lot more than you look back. You're free. You're free. Now, if you did wrong, wrong is wrong. You do wrong, you repent. But you got to move forward and come out of the prison of mourning. Come out of the prison of ashes. You know what? There, there's something about when you see something burned to the ground. When, when you see something that you thought was going to be just so great and it, and it ended up being rubble. Your, your, your life might have been a pile of ashes early. So some, some of you, before you even got to the point where you could know the difference between left and right, innocence was already taken away from you. Some of you, be, be, before you got to the point where you could be able to make a wise, sound decision on your own, you, you became the victim of other people's decisions. And nothing but a pile of ashes. But the thing that we need to know about our God is our God is a rebuilder. And he is a restorer. And he's not just looking to build again a replica of what was. No, he's looking to build something better than the thing that was burnt to ashes to begin with. You never lose with him. You never get the short end of the stick with him. Whatever life has been like up for you up till now, let me tell you, there's bright days ahead if you and him hook up and stay hooked up together. Which the, the big decision on, on that, as far as that's concerned, is not up to him. Because he, he's dedicated to hooking up with you. Are you dedicated to hooking up with him? If you do so, you won't have any regret, nothing but, <laughs> no, no regret, nothing but joy and nothing but your heart saying, boy, I'm sure glad I did that. Hallelujah. And it also talks about there, the, the prison of heaviness. It's amazing that Christians who ought to be the happiest people in the world, and you find so many Christians that are under a spirit of Heaviness, depression, down, 
where, where, where you even sense a change in the atmosphere when you're around some people because they're, they're down. The, uh, you know, you talk about glass half full and glass half empty. Some people just have broken glasses. <laughs> but, but you know, the Bible says that instead of the spirit of heaviness, you can have the garment of praise. As a matter of fact, what are you doing being heavy when Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light? What are you doing with a long face when your God says to you that he is your glory and the lifter up of your head? It's time to get out of prison because if the prison doors are open, ain't no sense staying inside anymore. If the prison doors open, that means you're free. That means you can come out and now be who God has called you to be. Which leads us to our final point of the morning. If I'm no longer a prisoner, well, what am I now? Well, I'll tell you this. One good piece of news for you is that you're no longer the property of that old mean guy who used to own you. <laughs> Thank God for that. You are now the purchased possession of Almighty God. Over in Acts, Paul instructed uh, certain people that they should uh, take care of the flock, that they should shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now we understand this, that the Bible says that we were bought at a price, that we should glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are his. You were bought with a price. You are now the possession of, of an owner who loves you and cares for you and is not looking to have you live an imprisoned life going forward, but looking to have you live a free life going forward. Why don't you open your Bibles to Revelation 1? And if no longer prisoners, what are we now? Revelation 1 is going to answer that question for us as we get ready to wrap things up this morning. Glory be to God forever. Revelation 1, take a look at verse 4. It says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him, and who, uh, from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What are you now if not prisoners? Kings and priests. That's who you are now. Oh, somebody didn't quite get it. It's not really dawning on you yet, I can tell. You once were in the slammer. You once were doing time. You are now no longer a prisoner. You are a king or a queen. 
and you are a priest unto God. That's not Sunday pie in the sky out there somewhere. That is current, present, right now truth about you. And why is it that way? Well, the Bible says so clearly. We just read it. <laughs> he, he washed us in his blood. And he made us kings and priests. Washed us in his blood. Freed us from the prison. And then elevated us to our position as kings and priests unto God. Now, I need a little help to do what I'm about to do here. So I'm going to pick on some people. And you don't know if it might be you, but I'll tell you, it's easy. Mr. Paul Oladapo, come on down. My brother, I'm wonderful. This is my brother Paul, one of our elders. And uh, he's going to help me out today, and he doesn't even know it yet. <laughs> Let's see, who, who else is going to help me out? Let's see. Oh, Phyllis is going to help me out. Come on up, Phyllis. Let's see. Who else is going to help me out? Dr. Rocha, come on down. Help me out. And let's see. I need one more. Jan, hey, come on. Help me out. All right. Good. We got enough people. So, Jan, you can stand right here, and I'll go ahead and stand in the middle. Now, we're going to have a little fun here. What we're going to do is we're going to go ahead, uh, and, and all of us are going to do this together. We are going to read Revelation 5, 9 and 10. Go ahead and put it up on the screen. Let's face the screen. We'll read it all together. Are you ready? Let's read it. And they sung a new song saying, you are worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Keep on going. Next slide. And have made us to our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Now go ahead, let's join hands here. You see this crew up here? Good looking bunch, aren't we? See, it makes you realize how good looking Adam and Eve must have really been. <laughs> Glory to God. But you know who you're looking at right now? You're looking at people that come from every kind of tribe and nation. I would have had all y'all up here if I could, but it might take too long to get everybody up here. But I wanted to demonstrate before you a little taste of what heaven's like we're right here on earth. So here we are coming from so many different places and backgrounds. But we have one thing in common. I got to tell you, we are all former prisoners. We're all former prisoners who have been washed in the blood 
and who now stand before God as kings and priests. And we, like the verse said, we shall reign on the earth. Hallelujah. You're looking at royalty. We're looking at royalty. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you all so much. Y'all can take your seat. Glory to God. The blood of Jesus has purchased us. We've been set free from that waterless pit. Now free to drink of the water of the spirit and be bathed in the water of the word. And now no longer prisoner status, but now standing in status of kings and priests unto our God. That's what happened to us. And the reason why is because of the blood of the everlasting covenant. Give God the glory this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 